rush into Chemist Warehouse for the Christmas fragrance sale. Get big brand fragrances at the lowest prices. This is the House of Aths. Hello everybody and welcome right across the SCN Radio Network. This is the House of Aths, wherever you might be. Thank you for listening. We do it all thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Johnny Stephenson in the house. Hello, brother. Cameron. Hey, don't listen. I, I I don't like to start shows on a negative, but I like oh, to no. think that I don't. I don't listen to this, and I don't want the viewers of our uh, of our podcast or our radio show to think yeah. that Johnny Steph's gone soft. That I've changed. Everybody knows I speak my mind. You do. And and those that follow uh, Sen Trackside would understand that you've had a pretty good week. And <laughs> and I've seen this before. I've been around a lot of celebrities and around a lot of rich people. And I do know money changes people. And I just like to say, oh, give me a spell. No, 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 no. I just want to say that today. I've heard man, it all. Our man, Mr. Cam Luke, was thirty minutes late, <laughs> yeah. and he had the audacity last <laughs> night to say, "Boys, we're on five thirty. <laughs> but I finished my other show at five thirty. So I didn't know if he was going to teleport from one show to <laughs> to, to to track and field by Chemist Warehouse, uh, or I didn't know how it was going to work. But I just want to say, I don't want the listeners or the viewers to think that Johnny Steph has changed. So I don't want to start negatively, but I just want to make sure I call that out, Cam, and your notes. Thanks. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I have been a little tardy today. I've had a little bit on. I'm going to miss the next week's show, by the way, Johnny Steph. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm being, I'm being, I'm being called uh, to Los Angeles. I got to duck away for uh, ten days, leaving on Thursday. So I'm looking. Look, for- I get it. Oh, I get it. I've seen your types before, and I understand. I, I, know, <laughs> I know. I I know what happens, right? I know what happens. You get a little bit of fame, make a bit of cash. Oh, there's no fame, but there's no and, cash, and and, and and it just things start to change. <laughs> I, I I expected better from you, but at the same time, I'm not a man likes to judge. So I'm gonna be. I'm still gonna be the biggest fan of yours, Cam Luke. Good. Big fan. Thank you. Big fan of your work. And congratulations for last week. You should be very proud. I'm sure the listeners are uh, uh, true Cam believers in Cam We Trust. I heard Absolutely. them scream that the other day. Hey, just uh, to straighten up and actually get to something around athletics, right when we were leaving this time last Thursday night, a text came through, and I had never, I've never actually asked you this, and it was a really good question. The actual question was just relating to about can you run us through what a what a main training session looked like for you in your in your heyday, right? So, like, it, it was interesting because they wanted to know exactly how your day would look when you're a professional athlete at the highest, you know, Olympic Games, Commonwealth Games, World Championships, and not necessarily, you know, a session here in the morning, a session in the afternoon. What were your days like when you were at the best? You were one of the best in the world. Like, can you just run us through your day? That's a good question, Cam. And if people would understand, you break your sort of year up into three periods, so you got winter training, yep. pre-competition training, comp phase. So I'll give you a day, um, say pre-comp, because I think that's the most sort of volume you go through Yep. Okay. Um, as far as when it comes to speed training as well as your endurance training. But for average quarter mile, I'd like to think that trains in the Northern Hemisphere that's in the top 10 in the world. I'd like to think in the morning, um, some athletes like do their weight session in the morning, that sprint, and then they go to the track. So your weight session will be around about an hour's worth of weights, which will involve a lot of lower body lifting, um, and um, and then also you sort of doing your accessories sort of lifts with the upper body because you obviously use your arms as your legs when you run. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have a little break in between, which is normally about an hour, hour and a half. Um, then you head to the track, and your track session will be from warm-up to as well as the volume of training will be around about an hour to two hours worth of work. So that includes your warm-up. That includes your pre 
a warm up for when you do your repetitions. Say if you're doing 12, 200 um, with 30 seconds rest between each 200, um, then running them at 30 seconds, finishing the last one in 22 seconds. Um, that That's sort of the volume. So that, that'll take about 20 minutes worth of actual sprinting. Um, and then your post warm down will take another half an hour um, to warm down. Then normally I get physio at the track. Then I'd go home, I'd eat, I'd have another sleep, and then I'd wake up at physio again um, before my weight session at night. Then I'd go to the gym, do my weight session, which would be another hour and a half, which would be a lot heavier lifting because now that I've done my main track session, um, again, it'll be all lower body uh, as well as upper body as well as well as core work um and then I, that'll be around about 7 8 o'clock i'd get home i'd have dinner i'd get a, a little bit of physio again i'd watch television until about 10 30 11 o'clock then i'd get the team again the my training partner or my physio jump in the car I'd go for half an hour road run then i'd come back home around about 11 30 uh, i'd get physio again for about 15 20 minutes on my on my just on on my back and just make sure all the main parts of my body where it normally would tighten up is cool. And I go to bed around, I watch TV. And by the time everything settles down, it'd be about one o'clock um, in, the, in the morning. And I'd go to bed and do it all again the next day. So when you're talking about sessions and you're talking about weight sessions, are you, are you by yourself, just you and your coach? Is there, is there a team? Is there a crew? Like, like are you yeah. with other athletes, like men, women, how, how does it all work from a, from a group or a solo perspective? Well, some training groups have, have you're quite right, have groups, right? So they all meet up and they do all their weight sessions together. Uh, they then do their track sessions together. And then the good athletes, which I learned very early in my career being in Los Angeles, I remember coming to the track at UCLA, Drake Stadium one morning, and I came earlier, and there was two separate weight rooms, one that was underneath the main basketball gym and one that was on top of the track. And I saw Maurice Green and Otto Bolden walking down from the top of the track, and I was like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, we did our weight session. But then I kept thinking they were walking down to the gym underneath the basketball stadium. And I'd see them do another session underneath the gym. And I'm like, wow, okay, that's what it takes to be the best in the world. These yeah. guys are dub- doubling down. And uh, eventually I got to live with Maurice Green. And um, I remember I remember asking him and he said, look, John, it, it, uh, the volume I do inside the gym wasn't enough for me. I, I found I need to do just a little bit extra. And I learned very early in my career that, that it was those one percenters, what you need for yourself. And that's what we try and teach young, high performing athletes now that there's many ways to skin this cat. And, you know, you got to find out what are the one percenters you need in order to make you the greatest in the world. But in saying that, right, is there also a little bit of trying to protect yourself from yourself because that's what your coaches are there for, right? That's why the coaches, athletic coaches, strength and conditioning coaches are, and, and there are athletes like Maurice Green's like, I need to do more. But that doesn't necessarily mean that is always going to work for any particular athlete. So you need to have some type of guidance, yeah. right? Did you often try and go outside the scheme and it didn't work for you? Because you, if you're doing too much, <laughs> right? Like you always feel oh, like I can man. do a bit more, I can do a bit more, and it doesn't yeah. work, it can hurt you. Uh, I learned the hard way, Cam, and I think yeah. a lot of athletes, if you ask, you ask a handful of high achievers, they'll say that they all thought that they knew the knew all the answers and unfortunately you get found out the hard way, man. And that's why you have a coach because a coach um, has sort of been there and done that before you and they're yep. meant to guide you through success. And that's why it's important to find a coach that gels with you and a coach that fits with with uh, with what your makeup is as, as a young athlete or as, a, or as a young man or woman. So um, I, I was very blessed that I was happy with the coach I chose. Um, he was more from the art side of running, not so much from a science side. And I was the type of guy that is very emotional sort of athlete and the art side of running really worked for me um, because he could really explain things in really unique ways. And, and, and I got it straight away um, where the data and the graphs and the biomechanics and all that sort of talk sort of, um, sort of felt like, 
you know, uh, like I was trying to learn Martian. So, um, but it's very important to learn both. As I got more mature in my career, I learned how to understand the science of my running and matched and married the two. And that's when I really sort of found a big jump in my performances. So um, that's what we try and teach now. You know, my biggest thing is anybody that claims to know the remedy, especially in my sport and track and field, I think is full of shite, to be honest with you. So I really, you, I really do. I think you, you find an athlete, you deal with a coach and, and you guys make beautiful music together. And I, and I think that, and I think that's where you get success. Uh, I, I think it, it's a partnership and it's a beautiful dance that an athlete and the coach does together and they work out what, what is the best solution for that human being. And that's the beauty of track and field. It's such a raw sport. And we always talk about the barriers to entry in track and field are so limited um, that I think it's really important once you have that relationship is to keep it. Um, and then just to uh, just to, to tighten up the screws e- each year in, in order to get the best performances. Just off the text now, 0433981116, had you just stayed in Australia and not gone stateside to be coached and compete and, and, and have your base there, you you would – this question is pretty much a self-answering question. It says you would never have been the athlete you become. You, you agree with never. that? Agree. Yeah. Agree. Never. No way in the world. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Hey, we might squeeze a break in. You know what I've got for you? Talk to me. Do you know what I got for you? No, no. If you're gonna try and tell me my the top five of all time, fifty nine hundred. All right, go on. What else? I've got, got it for you. I've got it. I've done it. After the break, I've I've got the top five of all time, men's and women's all combined. It's taken me. In fact, the, it was meant to be seven days, but we've because of the cricket world cup, we've actually brought the show forward two days. So <laughs> oh, I got God. robbed. Ladies and gentlemen, let me Cam's been giving tips all week. Let me give you a tip. Do not hold your breath. Let's go to a break, Cam. <laughs> now, hang on. Before we go to a break, do you have anything else you want to talk about? Because I reckon we'll argue about this. Fifteen hundred meters. You got anything you want to talk about? Got nothing else. Oh, this one. Okay. I'm very interested. I'm very interested to hear your uh, your top five of all time. Beautifully done. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Wherever you might be, get involved. Zero four double three ninety eight. 1116. 1500 meters all time. Five to one next, right here on the House of Ats. Rush into Chemist Warehouse for the Christmas fragrance sale. Get big brand fragrances at the lowest prices. This is the House of Ats. Johnny Stephenson, although, what nickname are you using this weekend? You got one for us? Kun Steph. What is it? Kun Steph. Kun means Mr. In, in Thailand. I'm back in Thailand. So Kun Steph. All right, beautiful. Yes. Can we do Kun it all Steph. around Australia? It's all things athletic. The silly season, the off season. It's about a fire into Australian mm. domestic season. But yeah. famously, and I got so much great feedback. You asked me about the top four men's long jumpers of all time. You wanted me to rate them four to one, just based only on world championships. And the the list I gave I, has been universally well received by everyone bar Carl Lewis, to be fair, Johnny, because they loved it. <laughs> <laughs> so last week, you issued me another challenge. Do you just want to sure refresh did. the listeners' minds of what that challenge is? I sure did. Last week, uh, I said to Cam, uh, he Cam offered the challenge again to me and asked yes. me to join Give me, throw me out something. That was easy. Long jump was easy. Even though it took him seven weeks to do, he said it was easy. So I said, Cameron, give me your top five 1,500 meter runners. And I even included the miles. So you can throw the mile in there as well. Yeah. Of all times, both male and yep. female. Yeah. Now, so, uh, so I've got five names. Do you think I've got Algaroos at one? No, I don't think. No, I just think you'd be facetious enough. Because you're cocky at the moment, right? You're on, you're on, you're on a winning streak, yeah. 
So I don't think you're going to put Algarus as one. I know okay. you're not, not going to put Algarus as one. I know okay, you ready to roll through this then? Because it wasn't easy. I, I will say it's heavily slanted towards males because I put a great deal of emphasis on Olympic gold medals and the Olympics for the 1500 meters of the women came in a lot later than the men's. Okay. 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 So I, I just want to say that I, I purely did this for my, for my distance purists yep. out there that li- our listeners, our listeners that are distance purists and I want them to call in. I want them to absolutely tear this list apart. Cause I kind of said, I kind of gave you a hand grenade. This is this one. Is a hand grenade. So I, I, think I think I've nailed it. 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 You ready? At number five. At number five. This is more about quality over quantity. <laughs> Herb <laughs> Elliott. Yeah, I rate that. Herb Elliott at number five. Now, I, I, I think he retired at 22 or 23. He only went to one Olympic Games and he embarrassed the field. And I, I don't like it. to work just on times because we talk about it a lot. You know, technology, shoes, so many things, you know, uh, nutrition, medicinal, everything's changed. So no, if, 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 if someone's going to say, well, Herb Elliott was like 10 seconds slower than today, it's like, of course, Herb Elliott. No, 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 I rate that. It, I good. Rate, I number, rate five. number five. He embarrassed yeah. his fields. At number four, Morsley. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah Olympic champion, three-time yeah, yeah, world yeah. championship. It's right? a tough list, man. It is. Like, and I loved well. him. Like I loved him. Well. But I had him at number four. And he, uh, I think one of the most underrated things of all time is that him and Al Garouz bumped into each other. <laughs> uh, uh, I love uh, it. Uh, 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 if you put Co at one, if you put my man, Sir Sebastian Co at one. At number three, <laughs> Lord Sebastian Coe. <laughs> You know what? When you when you're going up against, and of course wow. it was so heavily it was so heavily dictated the the middle distance ranks of those times by the Europeans. Yes. And like he, he and he was the best. He was the yes. best. Like, you know, yeah, you were talking about, Cram, I, I we're talking about Ovet. Like I, 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 I honestly I, I rate I rate Sir Sebastian Coe. Yep. I, I, as as an athlete, I mean wow. Like just yes. mentally, physically, tactically, he was he was amazing. Yeah, and I, I think that is something that yeah, for a start, it's Lord Sebastian Coe. So you got to give him some respect, man. <laughs> you tell me you love him, and then you so don't call him the right Lord, name. I don't know, man. At number Please. two, at number two, I've got Al Garouge. I've got him at two. That's big. Yeah, well, big. I'll tell you why. Now, he was oh, a freak. Oh, 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 I, 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 I'd, almost think, I'd almost think that my man, Lord, mm. Lord Coe, Mm-hmm. Would go would be above Algarouz. I, I haven't put him. I just think that again, it is relative to who they're racing. But Algarouz bumped into Morsley and then just took that baton and just ran with it. Like nine straight years, no, so dominant. Didn't. If you're looking at times, and again, I, I'm being no, a little bit hypercritical because I don't want to be like, oh, times, times, times. But if you're looking at times, he owns yeah. these best times. Like the times yeah. in the fifteen hundred meters, the miles, the two thousand, he's a monster. He's a monster. Man. He was fun to watch. Fun to watch, and, and that's a thing for me. Absolutely, and and. and and I put my hand up for all those distance purists out there. Um, I, I remember when I was training, my coach made me run every watch everything from five thousand 
all the way down to 100 yep. meters to learn athletics and to be a student of the game. And he was probably the Al Gruz is probably the, the, one of the runners which I really enjoyed. And Bakili was another one. Motrim, I love the Motrim Bakili yep. battles were, were 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 the ones which I so I agree with you. He was very entertaining, Al Gruz, very along with our, our man Lord Sebastian Co. Absolutely, and a number one. I didn't realize this. I absolutely 100% did not realize this until I did research. That Faith Kip Yagen is only 29 years of age, Johnny Steph. Yeah. She is 29. Yeah. And we yeah. on this show a lot talk about the fact that middle distance ranks have never been higher. They've never been hotter when it comes to men's and women's. And the times these women are running, the depth of Australian, we're talking no. Australian, but from world. 1,500 metre and mile and 2,000, a perfect middle distance range. Never been deeper, never been faster. When she broke the world record, Johnny Steph, in a absolute red-hot field, she won by eight seconds. She's a two-time Olympic gold medalist. She got a silver medal at the World Championships about six months after giving birth. And I'm putting her at number one, and I don't think she's anywhere near finished. She's breaking their hearts. She's doing it in a great manner. It's not always easy to keep the motivation high. She's a two-time Olympic gold medalist. She'll be a three-timer in the 1,500 metres once we get to Paris in about eight or nine months' time. It is is slandered towards the men because the men have been running this at major championships longer. But by far the best 1,500-metre runner of all time is Faith Kipyagin, and God knows where that CV is going to end in. Wow. You know what, Johnny? Cameron, you know, no, I, I, if you don't mind, I like to interject. I'd like to I say want- you did do your homework, Cameron, and I did. I, and to really be honest here, I'd be lying to say um, if I uh, detest or object to your five. And you and I was, I know, I was a bit harsh at the beginning of the show, and I, mm-hmm. I, I, I want to apologise now. I want to take mm-hmm. a bit back. I think I think I was a bit <laughs> premature in my judgment of you. Like <laughs> sort of take it back. And but uh, I will say this: mm-hmm. you mentioned something about entertainers, and yes. I'm not, not taking nothing off faith. I do agree. With you. I, I think fantastic, um, and I think she does deserve number one. To be honest with you, but do you do you think that's what our boy Jakob Ingebrigtsen is trying to become now? If you see in the way he ran at World Championships, um, do you think that's what's missing? Um, sort of in track and field, especially in, in in when you talk about they say they always say matchups, right? Um, but do you think just those that that personality um, is what evokes that emotion when you watch these athletes run. And when you talk about Al Garouz, you're quite, you're quite correct, man. And I think is, is that what you think Inga Britson is trying to do at the moment? We, we talk I, about Noah Lars or, or do you think oh, that's what's missing from these performers? Cause they're running just possibly. as fast. That's I, 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 know. I, 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 I running I, just as fast. Maybe my possibly. Right. And I think that Inga Britson, I think if he, if he wins the 1500 meters, in Paris, then there's a real conversation. Like he wasn't far off, right? I look while I talk about and I use the 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 depth of the the women's fifteen hundred meters. I can use the same thing with Jacob Ingebrigtsen right now, right? He is he's a freak. He's able to do it at different distances as well, fifteen hundred to five thousand, which which Faith could do and does do very successfully. His personality isn't probably as energetic as an excitable as some of these other athletes and some of these names in particular yeah. on the men's side of it. But yeah. I don't think he necessarily has to be the entertainer that others. Well, I think he, but I think were. he is, I think, I, no, but I'm yeah. saying when you watch him in a race, it's the same as even Abel Kiprop back in mm-hmm. the day. He was a great 1500 meter runner. He was big, long rangey, tall guy. Um, you knew that you knew the only way he could win was if he led and he broke them 
and yeah. he used to he used to go out hard and and you loved watching that and I think now you're watching Mo Farah did that towards the end of his career he used to sit all the way back at the pack for a long period of time in a five and ten k all of a sudden interjects himself in the race puts that pace on and then just says right let's go, let's go. and you watch it you're watching Ingebrigtsen doing that now um, I love Safana San does the same thing she yeah. sits at the back then she comes in leads off the front and says right girls come and get it right mm-hmm. um, and I, I I I think that's the entertainment of running and. Uh, there's truth I, I, in that. I'm just I'm just wondering if if mm. if that's what is missing um in those distance ranges there. Uh, but I, and uh, like I, I we, don't, that, we don't have a true hero like that, maybe. No, like, we I don't could be right talking now. What I, crazy. what I will say, we're gonna get to a break, but what I'll say about that, what I've just probably put two and two together is and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, exactly what you are talking about when you're talking about middle distance running. It feels like the basis of where the elimination final and uh, the elimination mile in your mind started, right? To try and add some pizzazz to it that isn't necessarily needed to actually be the athlete. Like if the mile brings well, I that think, type I think, of intrigue I think and drama. But I think, yeah, exactly. And I think it think yeah. creates vulnerability. And I think we love True. seeing an athlete vulnerable and overcoming that vulnerability. We all love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you saw our girl Moore thing, um, you know, virtually get bumped into last place and still make the final. And yeah. that was the vulnerability, you know, what could she come back? Could she make the final? And she did. Um, I think that's the drama of, of like our, our good friend, Gennady Golovkin, when he fought, um, he used to fight, he used to say big drama show. And and that's what he, that's what he felt he brought to boxing. Hmm. Um, I think there's been athletes like Maurice Green, Usain Bolt, Carl Lewis, um, even, yeah, our Lord Sebastian Coe, yeah. um, Steve Prefontaine, um, oh, that, that yeah, I mean, Steve Prefontaine again brought my that favorite sport. runner of all time. Uh, and, oh, you, know, you know what? Oh, and, and he'd be in my top three in all events. If, Steve Prefontaine. If you haven't seen the movie Without Limits, oh, it's brilliant. It'll give you an idea. But oh, geez, I love I love Pre. And, and I actually watched that 1972 5000 meter final the other day from Munich just because it's on YouTube. Hey, it's, 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 it's giving me shivers, man. Like, nah, it, man, it's, I, I get shivers. I, I love Pre. I, I love him. And I think, you know, it happens in sport where, you know, injury stops someone from actually ripping a sport apart. Unfortunately, this is a lot more tragic when he <laughs> passed in a car accident, but I love him. And you're right. I've got a fair bit for you. Now, hey, I'm going to give you 10 minutes to think of another challenge for me because I've knocked a long jump out of the absolute park and I'm just knocked the 1500 meter out of the park. So you got 10 minutes to come up with some homework for me on the house of Aths. Rush into chemist warehouse for the Christmas fragrance sale. Get big brand fragrances at the lowest prices. This is the house of Aths. Well, thanks to Chemist Warehouse right around Australia. It is the House of Aths, Johnny Stephenson, Cam Luke, and in a little bit of the downtime we currently find ourselves in, what we've been doing is hitting rewind and having a listen to our favourite athletes who have chatted to us already in 2023, and there's not many more favourable in our eyes and the Australian athletics community than Genevieve Gregson. Superstar on the track, Olympics after Olympics after Olympics. And then a little injury hurdle. So she just went out a baby, and now it's all about the marathon. And this is what she had to say when she joined us not too long ago. And as we welcome you in, congratulations. First marathon in the books and a nice pace as well. Yeah, no, it's really cool to be finally able to call myself a marathoner. Um, leading into this weekend, there was so much pressure because I feel like I've talked about it a lot. 
and there's nothing worse than talking about something and not executing a plan. So I think relief was probably the first thing I'll say I experienced. And after that, it was just, yeah, emotion of of being able to pull something off that's been in the making for two years now. Look, you've been one of the best athletes this country's produced in recent time, three Olympic Games, Olympic finals, all of it. And we're going to talk about your last two years in a moment. But there's always little surprises that bob up, but uh, you're continually able to just work through them. A marathon... I assume throws like a million different unique experiences up in 42 Ks. Was there, was there something that went through your mind or your body or whatever it might've been in the run this weekend that you thought, Oh, that's, that's new. Yeah. I mean, if I really break it down, there were many little things that popped up over 42 K, but I honestly have never, ever been so nervous the whole week leading into this race. I barely slept. I just found myself staring at the ceiling at night um, thinking about a million different variables and and things that I had to control for that day. Um, luckily, I had Eloise Wellings at the hotel and Izzy Bat Doyle, both girls that have run really great marathons recently. And I just asked them so many questions. And I feel like everyone told me all the bad things to expect, which was a really good thing because on Sunday, I finished and I, I remember saying to Ryan, like, nothing went wrong, nothing went wrong. But like, yeah, at, at at 15k I stepped on a drink bottle and like my knee buckled and I was like wow everything could have ended right there and then I went to rip the top of my gel off and completely ruin the gel container where the gel wouldn't squeeze out and my hands were too slippery to break it and I just asked my training partner next to me I was like I need you to open this gel um little things like I my k splitter was way off it it wasn't hitting the marks and then I just kind of thought trust the paces and trust your body and just go with it and stop worrying about time there were little things like that, but I think I was expecting so much more worse things to happen that I honestly felt in such a flow state. Like it was one of the most amazing race experiences I've ever had. And and maybe someone can only know what I'm talking about if they do a marathon, because I've never experienced this before, but it was pure bliss all the way to that 42.195 um, marker. And yeah, it's it's crazy to say that I really did enjoy every step. Jen, do you think it's, when, when you talk about it, it's quite um, uh, interesting to hear you say that it was pure bliss, number one. Yeah. Um, someone has been to, you know, three Olympic Games, World mm-hmm. Championships, Commonwealth Games. I mean, you and I had the, I had the privilege of hanging out with your teams and your and your husband's like my little bro. Um, but do you think it's the fact that athletics can become quite mon- monotonous, you know, throughout your career, especially when you, because you focus on one event, right? Mm-hmm. And do you think it's refreshing for you, especially over the last two years and what you've gone through with injuries mm-hmm. that now you're kind of like learning a completely, really, it yeah. feels like a new sport by running the marathon yeah. because it's a complete different event. Do you think that's what is bliss for you? For those that are listening out there that sort of yeah. will be going, how are you getting nervous for a yeah. marathon, man? It's kid stuff here. You've been to Olympic Games final, Jen. Yeah, but that's exactly it. Like on the track, that was a skill for me. I knew it inside out. I'd done it that Mm. many times, even like I'll even say Tokyo Olympics. I mean, I knew I was a bit banged up, but I didn't go into that as nervous because I knew what I was capable of. I knew what I can do. I trust my training and I kind of know around about where I'm at, um, give or take a few seconds, unless something drastically went wrong, which it did. Mm. But with the marathon, there's this huge window of unknown and uncertainty. And there's so many uncontrollables. Like just for example, if it's a little bit windy or a little bit hotter than you expected, that is huge over two and a half hours of running. And I didn't, 
I found it really hard to be entering into an event that there were so many things I couldn't control. And that's something wow. that I've been really good at my whole career is making sure I do all the 1% is right and I do everything and I'm as pre- prepared as possible. But unfortunately, the marathon, it's a different beast. You can go in so prepared to the nth degree, like you've done everything. You've got your drink station sorted. You've trained hard. You've rested well. You've fueled perfectly. And then something can happen in that race and it'll throw all of that off. And the next opportunity for a marathon is months away. So well, that's scary. Jen, talk me through the injury because I, I, I remember watching your race live and, and, and thinking that's it. She's done. That's retirement. Yeah. I mean, anybody that understands yeah. Achilles injuries, I had bursitis in my Achilles and I thought I was done. Um, you had a full, well, I'd like to think a full rupture. It was mm-hmm. close to, if not. Um, obviously those thoughts were going through your mind. Uh, walk us through these last two years. I know people ask you, I don't want you to get into depth about, I get it. It was sore. There was a lot of pain and yeah. you worked through it, but what is some of the mental sort of hurdles you have to get through on race day this weekend when it, when mm-hmm. it comes, because I, I take you wake up in the morning and that, that Achilles is stiff as every morning. I, I, no, I, no, it's not. It's like, good. Oh, I, seriously, I don't know what the surgeon did to this, <laughs> this tendon, but he sewed it together and like put new, fibers into it it's shout like out the, to your surgeon yeah, seriously, it's the best tenant ever but um I think that the I mean exactly what you would imagine as an athlete if you heard you ruptured your Achilles like rupturing your Achilles doesn't just mean fix it and then it's back to brand new it may feel amazing but at the end of the day my lower leg on my right side is way smaller way weaker it's my weak link of my body now and I can only ever really be as strong as I get that lower leg and even in the last k of this race that lower leg on my right side went completely numb and even to that point I thought I still wasn't going to be able to get you know this goal because I thought I'm going to hit the deck and have to crawl it in um the biggest fear I've had the whole last two years is how much did this Achilles rupture affect my biomechanics my efficiency everyone said I'd be good at the marathon but that was before I ruptured my Achilles what if my whole gate's out and I'm no longer as efficient as I used to be and I have to work harder to get across the ground Um, And so this whole time I've been working for this goal with this little doubt in my head that I won't be able to return to that level because no matter how hard I work, my body's going to fight me for it. Um, But after Sunday, I I never felt so smooth. And whether I learned to run a different way over the last two years and all the strength and um, rehab that I've done has just taught my body to like kind of make do with what it has. Um, I felt great and my body definitely didn't restrict me in any way whatsoever. Jen, I uh, I preface this by saying that I am sensitive and occasionally get emotional about wonderful stories. So I was watching a feature on you on Wide World of Sports about a month or so ago. It was, it was a wonderful feature, and I assume it is online for anyone who has who, who hasn't seen it. But go check it out. But the the, the moment that, that got me is when you obviously got hurt in Tokyo, and you rang Ryan, your husband, and spoke about starting a family, and then you spoke yeah. about the fact that this horrible moment actually leads. To what is a wonderful two years to where we sit today yeah. just talk us through that i might even cry again jen to be honest because it was <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's no. moving stuff yeah don't worry i cry every time i talk about it with ryan but like that's what's just so crazy like i sit here and say to johnny that yesterday was potentially one of the best moments i've had in my career yeah. yet two years ago was probably the worst moment i had in my career but if it didn't happen it wouldn't have brought me here i wouldn't have my little baby boy downstairs playing with my husband there's there's just so many crazy sliding door moments that happen in people's lives. And for me, that was just one of the <laughs> most weirdest moments where, you know, I fall in a steeple pit, rupture my Achilles. People tell me I'm done. I think I'm done. 
and a phone call to my husband five minutes later changes this whole tangent of my life and and I follow this different path and 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 end up taking up an event that I've dreamed of doing starting a family that I've dreamed of doing and um, I moved back home I'm close to my family which I've wanted for the whole time I've been traveling for the last 15 years my life now is in a place where like if you asked me to change one thing I couldn't it's it's literally perfect and it's all because I ruptured my Achilles and like I cried because I was so sad <laughs> in that moment but I, I, I'm so glad it happened. It's just crazy. And I wish, and I said this on that story, I wish I could just crouch down to that girl crying in the pit and say, don't worry, this is so good. This is exactly what you're meant to be doing right now. I, isn't it, isn't it, isn't it crazy, Jen, when you look at these uh, moments in, 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 in track and then you say that you look back there and you think, you know, it's over. My Achilles had ruptured. Yeah. Um, it's quite funny listening to your story. It is, it is cool talking to you because uh, what a lot of listeners wouldn't know is we keep referencing your husband, Ryan Gregson. And Ryan is one of, I think, one of the greatest uh, 1500 meter runners our country's ever seen. The phenom when he came to being a junior athlete, broke all the records. We've seen young Cameron Myers doing his thing now. But Ryan was doing that 10, 15 years ago. Obviously, he's your, he's your I'll, I'll call him your better half, uh, Jen. I'll stick up for my brother. <laughs> he is, he is. Um, and I was there that I was there the day you guys union. This was yeah. in 2012 Olympic Games. <laughs> you Ryan were, and I were, we, rooming, we were together. rooming together. You guys are um, so weird. <laughs> They're putting fake tan on their yeah. head. <laughs> well, I don't know your husband, Jen, but I do know Johnny Steph, and not one thing surprises me when someone says, yeah, you th- you guys were so weird. No, he's, I think he's got fake tan on right now, actually. No, no, no Ryan's incorrigible, <laughs> and I'm incorrigible, and put us together. You just Stay understand what's going to happen. But, uh, but, but I've always had a lot of respect for Ryan, and, and it's, 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 it's absolutely, it's, it's not a shock for me to see you guys blossoming and thriving like you are now. And to hear your story, sort of post-Tokyo, um, to be able to create a family and now into marathon, I think it's a wonderful sort of journey that we often don't get to hear about track and field because we, we don't have these mediums like House of Athletics to discuss and talk about these things. Mm-hmm. So it's cool to hear that. Um, that a future Gregson's on the way um, yeah. that potentially will be back in the sport. But but walk us through, okay, you are in the September of your career, Jen, and 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 that's just that's just the way it is. Fifteen years you mentioned you've been involved in the sport. Are you starting to look, okay, what is my next journey? I know you guys have your own run club, you and Ryan, you're encouraging the youth of tomorrow to come through for tomorrow's champions. Um, but what is your vocation now? I get we, we, as athletes, we're selfish, we're individual, we got our goals, but you're also selfless. You got a beautiful child, you got your family now. You move back home. What is it? What's 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 making you go, okay, one plus one's equaling two for me after track and field? See, like I just, I mean, I people probably call me crazy. I know my parents look at me and think, you know, they ask that question. But I right now, and, and it's why I got here over the last two years, I love running too much to even consider putting it aside as, as a part-time or a hobby. Um, I know I can't run forever and I'm well aware of that. But as of now, I plan on making another Olympics and I plan on still running after that. The marathon, the reason why I wanted to make the transition to the marathon was because it allows longevity to your career. And for women, especially our two top marathon runners in the country right now are in their forties. And I'm not saying that's going to be me. They may be an exception, but I'm that passionate about my running. I couldn't bear to let it go and chase something else. I'm too in love with it. And so I'm just going to keep part-time being a mother, part-time training our clients. Um, You know, I do a lot of stuff here and there, like talking to schools and and helping young kids in little athletics. So that's enough 
for me right now to keep my head busy, but running fully and um, wholeheartedly takes over everything. But what, that but what are some do. of the goals? What are some of the goals, Jen? Are you, are, you, are, you, are you wanting to win one of the majors? Are you trying to become a half marathon specialist? Is winning the objective for you when it, when it comes to, because I know very much when you're doing the steeple, Jen, you were, uh, were a competitor yeah. that I've never seen in my life before. Like, and and again, another another NC2A uh, alumni, Cameron, mm-hmm. that we always talk about on the show and sort of came out of that school is is winning the focus, Jen? Are you are you looking? Is this part of your vocation, running? Like, how should we, as the viewer, see you when we see you on the line? Should we go? Yeah, Jen's out. Yeah, she's trying to take on the whole world, or, or is yeah. it just what is it, Jen? Walk me through that. But that's why, yeah, I'll t- walk you through it because the reason why I picked marathon is because I can pick whatever I want for any race. I can pick a race to be competitive and try be a Jess Stenson and and try win a Com Games or. I can be a Sinead diver and, and go get in a fast race and test my absolute limits of the human body and see how fast I can run. The marathon is fulfilling in any way you approach it. You you can win a race and, and hang your hat on, on the gold medal or you can go and just show people how fast you can be. And I want to do that over my career now and, and just test myself in every different way. I'll, I do want to do some majors and see how high I can finish. I want to do some more com games and win a medal. Um, I want to go to some more Olympics and and finish higher up the ninth. Like there's so many things that I haven't achieved yet in my career. And even though I can look back on it and be proud of what I've done, I don't fit, feel finished yet. And I feel like there are things in this new event that I can achieve. Love it. Love it. So what, what's it look like now? So we're, we're 12 months away from Paris or give or take a day or so. So what you've, you've done the 228, you love it. You, you, you Everything you, you're hoping a marathon would be, it sounds like it was. So what does it mean now over the next 12 months? Is there is there an event you've already got circled? How does it all work for you? Yeah, I mean, short term, um, we just got to wait for me to recover and, and feel good again because I think the biggest mistake you can make as a marathon runner is just, yeah, get too excited and jump straight back into another one. Um, I'm going to focus on some road races that are a bit shorter and just sharpen up a little bit because I also don't want to lose touch of the track. Like I still want to be able to dabble in a 5 or 10 um, and, you know, test my speed over that domestic. Yeah. How, how much is that needed, Jess? Uh, um, uh, uh, Jen, in, in yeah. the marathon, how much is that track crossover and that speed needed for the marathon? So I had this conversation, Cam, funny enough on the weekend with the great Mario, because he just ran the Gold Coast. Yes, half. he did. And I said, I think maybe I said, Matt, I said, I, I tried, Jen, I tried to pretend like I knew my distance running because I did a little, <laughs> you know, you and I used to hang out. So I said, oh, mate, maybe you should do a little bit of a track workout, uh, Mario, uh, to get your speed up. So, so tell us, he could, the great man's probably listening. Yeah. What, how much does that track crossover help you, the marathon? I think it was overlooked too much in the past. I think our marathon runners in the past just thought run as much as you can, you know, heighten the stimulus of, of the amount of work you put into your legs and you'll get the most out of yourself. But these days, like, I mean, I don't know what other people were doing, but I think I'd be on the lower side of mileage compared to any other marathon runner out there. And it's because I'm keeping that Tuesday intensity. Like Nick Bideau, my coach is still giving me those track Tuesdays as if I was going to head out to do a steeplechase on the weekend. Like I'm, I'm dabbling in both at the same time. And um, I think that's the secret. And he does it with all his girls and um, Nick's girls in the marathon are some of the top in the country. So they're doing something right. So what's Robinson. What's your average K in, in, in the marathon of the weekend? What was your average? Like my pace. Your pace. Yeah, 330s. 
And what would be your, so, and what pace would you do when you're doing your Tuesdays track workouts? What sort of, yeah. I know it variates, yeah. but what would you get down to in, in sense? If you're doing three thirties in a marathon, where would you yeah. get down to, to create your bandwidth? Um, I mean, I don't know what the K pace is, but it's way fast. So say like a 30 second, 200 even. I mean, what is yeah. that? Like a 30 K? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's quick. Yeah. Yeah. That's, moving, like, yeah. that's what I mean. That I'll be doing a five by four Ks you know, a 20K session on Friday and then I turn up on Tuesday and Nick's got me, you know, doing 600s where I go around in 75 and then kick home in a 33. Like, it's just, it, it makes no sense at the time, <laughs> but he knows what he's doing. And I feel like it it allows you to have a higher ceiling. So when you're out there feeling, um, you know, tired towards the end of the race, at the end of the day, your ceiling is so much higher than a 330. A three, you just get comfortable running that slower pace because you've got a higher ceiling than most people. Jen, we, we love when uh, you jump on by and have a quick chat to us, of course. We uh, have no doubt we're going to talk to you a little bit more as we head towards Paris. And we love the fact that anytime somebody has a chance to do something new and create something special, it's enjoyable as as much as a marathon can be. You've made it sound you can enjoy it while hurting. And uh, we, we shouldn't be surprised because you've consistently amazed us uh, for the last decade or so. So congratulations, not just on yesterday, but the last two years and looking forward to uh, the next 12 months and beyond. And uh, no doubt we'll chat again soon. Great. Thanks for having me, guys. Superstar. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse. We'll go to a break. Plenty more right here with Johnny, Steph and Cam Luke on the House of Athletics. Thanks, Jen. That was great. Thank you. No worries. <laughs> Rush into Chemist Warehouse for the Christmas fragrance sale. Get big brand fragrances at the lowest prices. This is the House of Aths. Well, thanks to Chemist Warehouse. It's the House of Aths. Johnny Stephenson, Cam Luke. Before we get out of here, Johnny, hit me. Hit me. Yes. I, I, give me a challenge. Give me a challenge for next. Actually, it won't be you next week. It's two weeks. So make it extra difficult if you want. You want more challenges? I mean, I'm, well, I'm knocking these out of the park. I need you to stand up and. Your newfound confidence amazes me, Cameron. <laughs> Give me like it. you took you seven weeks for one, and then now all of a sudden you're the challenge master. You just get these challenges. Well, you've agreed so wholeheartedly with both my challenges so far. Give me, give me another event. Doesn't matter what it is. I got two weeks. I'm not back. I'm, I'm away next week. So Ooh, give me anything you right. want. Okay, I want you to give me your top five top pole five. vaulters. Top five pole vaulters. Yep. Both all men time. and women of yep. all times, and they have to include. Mm-hmm. Two Australians. Easy. It has to include two Australians. Easy. Sergey Bupka was Australian, wasn't he? <laughs> well, Dimitri Marco was. <laughs> you know, we claimed him real quick. <laughs> no, no. You know, Easy. We claimed him real quick. Teddy Gregoriano, we claimed him real Easy quick. done. Hey, mate, I'm away next week, but I'm going to knock this out and I'll have the pole vaulters top five all time, which includes two Australians in a couple of weeks. No, no, excuse me, excuse me. Be changing. Me on the fly. Yeah, I want to change. I want you to get top five Australian pole vaulters, both men and women of all time, and top five. Pole vaulters of all times worldwide, female. Okay, and so two lists, two lists, please, sir. But it'd be like stealing candy from a baby. Thank you, Johnny Steph. See you in a couple of weeks' time. Love you, work, big fella. <laughs>